Unfortunately, this past week, the United States saw a crazy individual go into a school in Uvalde, Texas, and commit a mass murder. It was tragic all around. The crazy 18-year-old first shot his grandmother in the face and then headed to the elementary school he himself attended as a young one. After firing a few rounds outside the school, he then entered the unlocked school and then began shooting children and teachers while police failed to react appropriately to stop the violence. What's even more infuriating is that law enforcement kept everyone out of the school even though they were doing nothing, only then to be less than truthful about their actions. But immediately, as if on cue, the calls for gun control began. The arguments ranged from AR-15s being weapons of war that should be banned, to the argument that the founders only meant for people to have muskets, to the trope that we should raise the age for adults to buy rifles to 21 years old. But the gun control arguments are again falling on deaf ears. Welcome to the upcoming American Revolution podcast the most important podcast of our current lives and times. I'm your host, Kali, and this podcast we discuss the who, what, why, and how of America's next civil uprising. Please subscribe at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Based on the analytics, we've identified that we've likely been shadow banned or at least dehighlated. Thank you for finding this podcast, and I hope I can give you something to think about. Visit theupcomingrevolution.com for more information, to contact me, or to submit a question. But the gun control arguments are again falling on deaf ears. The problem the gun controllers have is that they are attempting to use the actions of a crazy person to justify the attack on the rights of individuals who had nothing to do with any crime. What they are saying is that since one person does something bad with a gun, Everyone else should lose their constitutional natural rights to own a gun. Obviously, they ignore their glaring hypocrisy. If a person drives a car through a Christmas parade and kills a bunch of innocent people, that actually happened. No one blames the car. No one suggests that all cars should be banned. They blame the crazy individual who actually did the act. Similarly, if a person stabs people, or sets a fire and kills people. We all know that the individual person who does it is at fault. It's curious that if someone commits a crime with a firearm, that the gun is immediately blamed as though it's not an inanimate object. But why is it that government and many agreeable individuals would want government, whom they presumably don't trust, to be the only force that has guns and owns a monopoly on force? Do they actually believe they'll be safer if only government has guns? Because that's not what history tells us. Could it be that it's really only socialists, communists, Marxists, and national socialists who want government to have so much power over the individual? Well, probably, but the founding fathers did not agree that the government should be the omnipresent royalty that all of the peasants must bend a knee to, regardless of how much power government wants to seize. The foil in the dreams and hopes of the government's plans of total central government control is, and always has been, the Second Amendment. It was George Mason, one of the founding fathers of the United States, who said that to disarm the people is the best and most effectual way to enslave them. Firearms were so pivotal in the founding of the United States that the founders enshrined the right to bear arms in the most important document of the country, which obviously is 
the Bill of Rights of the Constitution. Americans recognize that when they do not have firearms, they will not have the means to fight government or to protect themselves. The Second Amendment was added to the Bill of Rights to make it absolutely clear that the people have the right to maintain firearms and use them to defend themselves, not only for self-defense from other individuals, but also from those who would, under the guise of government, attempt to enslave them, or at least to legislate liberty away from them. And that's from them as an individual or from them as a citizenry. Following any attempts to do so, there will be either a civil war or a revolutionary war between the people and the government they presumably own. As such, it should be no surprise to anyone that any future American civil conflict will include the use of the vast arsenal of firearms and ammunition within the United States today. In any future civil conflict, there is little doubt that guns will be used by both sides. Any successful attempt to suppress Americans' right to own firearms will result in a fight. And for government to have any hope of conquering the armed American population, government must first separate them from their firearms. This is the real goal of gun control, to seize the ability for people to defend themselves from the government. But this right of self-defense is under constant attack. It was meant to restrain government and remind it that it is not royalty. Government would love nothing more than to ban firearms, but it is constantly facing backlash from going forward, not only because the United States Constitution, but because the people who would be affected by their tyranny have firearms to protect themselves. It's a circular confliction. Since it was first written, many politicians and anti-gun activists look to the Second Amendment and suggest that it allows the ban of weaponry for everything except sporting and hunting. They might also say that, since there is no need for defense from the government, that the Second Amendment is obsolete. The problem with their argument should be absurdly obvious. When the Second Amendment was written, citizens feared governments. They just fought a tyrannical government. Additionally, there was no such thing as sporting firearms. And hunting with firearms was secondary to the ability to defend oneself. For government to counter the Second Amendment, and for the idea of gun control to be successful, government needs three things. 1. Ever-expanding gun control laws. 2. The willingness to extinguish life. And 3. Time. Let's talk about the first item. Expanding gun control laws make exercising the freedoms and liberty the founders of the country codified in the Bill of Rights more difficult. Gun control cannot be achieved by merely banning firearms and directing everyone to turn theirs in, or by destroying them. Percentage-wise, few firearms will be turned in, and even fewer will be destroyed by their owners. Every gun owner and patriot understands that when government begins collecting guns, that the revolution against government has started. That is the trigger for millions of Americans to prepare for the fight. Instead of aggressive attacks, government will need to slowly squeeze gun rights away from the citizenry. The federal government, sympathetic states, and sympathetic municipal local governments must create ever minor gun laws in an attempt to bring gun control in via a slow boil. They must hope that people do not see their attempts to ban guns. Unfortunately for those opposed to the Second Amendment, the population knows what they are doing. Because government has been so aggressive in minimizing the rights of the citizenry, Numerous states have expanded gun control rights, 
States such as Texas moving to constitutional carry, meaning you don't even need a permit to carry a concealed weapon. Additionally, several recent Supreme Court cases have affirmed the Second Amendment, including the Heller decision, that clarified that firearms in common usage are the weapons covered by the Second Amendment, not just muskets. The second condition for government to successfully establish gun control is that it must be willing to extinguish the lives of citizens in order to achieve its gun control goal. That means it must be willing to kill a bunch of citizens. The American people will not willingly give up their Second Amendment rights. Government will have to kill millions of people and to accept millions of government employees being killed to get its dream of gun control. There surely will be many citizens who are not willing to die for their rights, but those people are not the ones who the government must fear. It is only the people who will not give up their rights and firearms that the government will have to kill. One of the problems that government will have will be sifting out those people who won't turn their firearms since there is no singular database of all guns and who owns them. Locating those firearms then means sending armed enforcement agents to homes to collect those guns, and going to many homes would come with inherent dangers for the collectors. With more than 100 million homes with firearms, collecting firearms will be a nearly impossible task. Merely attempting it means the U.S. government has extended itself past its purpose and the very definition of tyranny. Such a tyrannical government will have to learn that it does not have the ability to destroy the Second Amendment. Even if it could legally amend the Constitution to include gun control, it would not be able to alter the outcome of who would win once the civil conflict between itself and the American people started after the constitutional amendment process. Stalin took the guns, Hitler took the guns, Chavez in Venezuela took the guns in recent decades. Laos, China, they all took the guns. Each of them promptly took action to subjugate, arrest, and kill citizens right after that was done. Tyranny does not want to fight an armed population. It does not want a resistance. Tyranny wants to ensure that no one fights against it. Americans know, understand, and recognize this reality. With every 4th of July, every Independence Day, generations of Americans recognize that the gun has played a pivotal role in their freedom. The third and most critical item a tyrannical government needs to implement gun control is time. Gun control will turn into an exercise of locating and then physically confronting millions of Americans. With an estimated 350 million firearms in the hands of citizens, it could take more than 60 to 70 years of direct action to make a significant dent in the privately owned firearm population. And that is without Americans fighting back, attacking politicians, attacking law enforcement agencies who are collecting firearms, and all while thousands of lawsuits are making their way through the legal system. If government can manage to legally get gun control legislation passed, it doesn't mean the task is over, nor does it mean gun control will ever be successful. It is certain that laws and the enforcement of gun control laws will fluctuate. Gun rules will evolve, courts will undoubtedly find some laws unconstitutional, other gun laws will be found ineffective, there will never be enough firearms confiscated from individuals or society to have any impact on the outcome of a civil conflict. Even if government could possibly collect more than 100 million firearms, if they do not collect, for example, the eight firearms that attack eight high-ranking politicians, none of the 100 million firearms that were never going to be used in crimes will have mattered. 
eight high-ranking politicians removed may be the difference between elected officials who support the Second Amendment and those who don't. Additionally, if politicians begin to recognize that their safety and the safety of their families are in danger due to their support on issues such as gun control, many other politicians will think carefully as they attempt to seize the rights of others. It's as the Thomas Jefferson quote says, When the people fear the government, there is tyranny. When the government fears the people, there is liberty. Yes, government may be able to scare or threaten millions of Americans into complying. However, those compliant individuals were never the people who are willing to fight and die for their rights. And therefore, the people who comply are not important and were never actually the people government should have been concerned with. They are best described as sheep. And wolves don't fear sheep. Government is the wolf. Wolves fear packs of dogs and hunters. Those are the non-compliant gun owners and the supporters of the Second Amendment. For the people who would never comply with government mandates to surrender their Second Amendment rights, the outcome is predetermined, and there are only two ways to resolve the gun control argument regarding them. Either government must find and seize the guns, or Americans will have the guns and the Second Amendment. Answering whether government can find and take firearms from the population should be considered an impossibility. Government cannot find them because there are an estimated 330 million firearms in the U.S. owned by an estimated 120 million owners who are not listed on any registries. There are about 5 million federal employees, 250,000 of which are law enforcement. We can also add in that there are approximately 1.5 million police across the country, and most of them will not assist in seizing firearms. Even if there were registries that listed all the guns, it wouldn't matter. There are not enough law enforcement personnel to go collect them all. That does not include the people who have misplaced those firearms or those who are willing to own firearms regardless of what the government says. That also excludes the number of police that will become casualties of gun control raids. Eventually, a black market will thrive. Just as prohibition lasted 13 years and then failed, there is no reason to believe that prohibition on firearms would work, especially when alcohol is not a right and firearms are. It's safe to assume that whether it's one year, 13 years, or a generation, gun control will fail and Americans will have firearms, whether legally or illegally. On the flip side, government always ignores one likelihood. Government ignores the concept that the process of collecting guns from the citizens amounts to a declaration of war against both the rights of the American citizen and the United States Constitution. And when that declaration of war occurs, citizens may decide not to be tyrannized, victimized, and many will refuse to wait until their homes are raided. Every government confiscation plan assumes that government will be on the offensive as they go find and seize weapons. Government ignores the idea that government might be on the defensive from Americans who will not accept their confiscation schemes. If Americans go on the offensive and attack government, government will lose the element of surprise and will be forced to defend itself from constant attack, forcing it into paralysis. It will become dangerous to work for government, and many will choose not to work for a government that can't even protect its own employees. It should be 100% clear America's next revolution begins and ends with guns. Whether it's individual citizens with guns, police with guns, revolutionaries with guns, or soldiers with guns. With hundreds of millions of firearms in America, there will be millions more guns in the hands of those opposed to gun control than in the hands of those who are tasked with implementing gun control. The gun control argument is over. 
But it should be clear why the government, socialists, communists, Marxists, and democratic socialists want guns out of the hands of Americans. If not for the Second Amendment, the government would no doubt be more powerful than it is now. And tyrants love having power over others. Subscribe now to the upcoming American Revolution podcast if this sort of discussion makes you think and you'd like to hear this mix of political commentary applied over historical context and laid over practical issues related to a civil conflict. I'd love to have you as a subscriber. And as always, subscribing is free.